Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Good morning. That was an appropriate song. I'll tell you why in just a minute. Well, wouldn't just kind of imagining how life would be so much easier if uh, we had, you know, satellite navigation systems that some cars have now, right? They just tell, they just plug in where you want to go and, you know, in 600 feet, turn left. And what if that were available to us in real life? You know, God would just, God had an internal navigation system and he would just tell us what to do, where, you know, you know, build this friendship you should be cautious about. He's going to pull you down before you ever pick him up. You know, Jim, don't do that job. That's not the way I made you. Um, Sally, stop dating this person. You're going to fall in love with him. And it's 25 years before he'll love anything more than himself. End it now. Wouldn't that be great? There'd be so much clarity. There'd be certainty. We'd be in God's will. But the problem is we, we wouldn't be... We wouldn't be really living. We would just be doing what we're told. We'd be human doings. And we, we're just snapping and, and, and doing whatever the next various thing is. Part of the aspect of being in the image of God, man is in the image of God, and a distinctive of that is that we have freedom. And the point of our freedom, one of the points, one of the major reasons that we have freedom is to put on all of display for all of the heavens, right, the seen and the unseen, that we would show them the way we are choosing to live. We are all Job. Have you seen my servant Job? There's none like him. Look at the way he chooses the way to live his life. And so, you know, in, in, in the sorrows and hardships and the victories, uh, in, in, in the great uh, adulations that we might experience, all of those things are building up a picture so that one day we might receive the greeting, right? Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the purpose of life in many respects. And learning the, learning the will of God is part of that. And that's what we're doing now. We're in a series, a four-week series. is week two of finding our way through the will of God. Now, uh, there's like a six-point, six-step way of knowing God's will for your life. And it's in logical order, so you can't just skip the part three because you, you don't have time. But it's not only is it logical order, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in order so that it starts very general. That's what we'll look at today. We'll look at two. It starts general and gets more specific. So when we get to week six, hopefully we'll be able to navigate like what God is trying to uh, instruct you so that you might have some idea what his will for your life might be right, right now. So we're going to look today at the first two of the more general ways to knowing God's will for your life. But there's a catch. Before we even start about talking about that will of God, there's a catch. Here it is. You know, if you knew it, would you do it? If you knew it, would you do it? Because uh, if you've ever been involved in any kind of counseling, right, if you're a parent or a doctor or, or a teacher and, and you can just see in the face of the person you're talking to, they, they're not going to do what you... I mean, if, if you're not going to take my advice, then why would I give advice? If you're not going to do it, we've already made up your mind, you're going to live any way you want, then, then just do that and save some time. This, this issue has to be resolved first and foremost. What, are, are you willing to do God's will no matter what? Simple set of questions. I was challenged to this in college, and I, it still rattles around in my head. We, you know, we do this a lot in our, in our family. Would you go anywhere to do anything with anyone at any time? 
Would you go anywhere to do anything with anyone at any time? Check yourself. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do, why wouldn't you say yes to that? That's, that's the question you have to answer, answer first deeply and honestly. Because if you, if you, if you can't say yes to that, you've, you have to back up one step and say, okay, why not? This is a prayer to God. What do you think about God that would prohibit you from just saying, you know, here's my life, anything, anywhere, anytime with anyone? There's something inside of you that's saying, hey, he probably doesn't want what's good for me, and so I have to be cautious about giving him the keys to my soul. I mean, think about that, right? Where would you get that idea? That God doesn't think what, what he wants for you is the absolute best for you. He knows you better than anyone else. And he wants what's best for you. Why would you think that he would cause you harm? The first temptation recorded, right, in Genesis chapter 3 is a version of this, right? The serpent says, uh, God has withheld something good for you. He doesn't want what's best for you. He wants almost best, but he wants this over here. He's kept this from you. Go take and eat. And that, so it starts there. Something's rattling around in our head saying, God does not desire what's, what's best for us, what's good for us. We think, I mean, here's what most people think. Oh, if I prayed that prayer, right, I would go to some place I hate, right, to do something I can't stand, to be married to somebody I can't tolerate at a very inconvenient time. What God do you serve? That's the first question you have to ask. Why, I mean, why wouldn't you pray that? It's because you think God's not into this. So, so when we pray God's will... It, it means that he, you're asking him to invade your, your life and, and to make something out of it. It's not, God's will is not you having a plan and you're calling in air support to bless it. It means opening up your life and saying all the innies. Okay, so that's your application. Before we start this other stuff, you have to, you have to, you can't even have the conversation until you've had that conversation. Okay, good. Now let's get started uh, with the, the first two of six. The clearest way, the best way, also the, more, the most general way of knowing God's will, it's found in the Bible. It's found in the Bible. The Bible is the clearest way to know what God has for every man and woman. And it, it's the primary means that the Father has used, that the Father has chosen for the Spirit to influence your life. The Bible is the primary means that the Father has chosen for the Spirit to use to influence your life to, so that you might know God's will. Most, most of the questions that we have about life, they're found, the answers are found in the Bible. It's probably, probably 20 great reasons that the Bible is different in kind than other books. But for our sake, I just want to emphasize this because our sake, our, our topic of conversation is finding our way in God's will. And so just here's two things that the Bible does for us in the context of finding God's will. It tells us, like, the moral will of God, the boundaries of God, how we should live. And it also tells us the mind of God, the way God thinks. Now, consider this, okay, on the moral will. There, God does have, there's part of, of, of God's uh, direction in our life that we, we do know. We do have, like, a navigation system. There's plenty of passages that say you should not like marry this type of person. You should not do these certain things at work. You should not befriend a certain type of person. It says that. Okay, th that's the idea of boundaries. I, I think personally, 
I think the will of God for a person's life is like six lanes wide. You get to freely choose, have fun within those lanes, but you're not supposed to jump the curb. There's no soul that's designed for off-road use, and that off-road will destroy you. Look, you don't have to be the person that makes all the mistakes, the heart, right, the heart, learn the hard way. Okay, think about if you didn't have the boundaries of God written in the Word of God, everything you'd have to find out the hard way. Here's a weird illustration. Melinda and I were walking the other day. We saw a, uh, a mushroom uh, growing out of our, in our front yard. And we just, first of all, we looked at it and went, that, that is a nasty thing. You know, it's this slimy um, little, I don't know, little, little umbrella. And then, we, and then we thought, who is the first person that saw a mushroom and thought, I think I'll put that in my mouth? <laughs> you know? I mean, let's, let's, let's eat it. I think it might be good on pizzas and salads. Because what could happen? Oh, what could happen? There are other mushrooms that will kill you, and somebody found that out the hard way. And there's some mushrooms that are going to make you wish you were dead. But this mushroom, this one's safe. The point is, how do you find that out the hard way? People die and, and things, bad things happen to them. The, the Bible is God's cookbook for your soul. He says, these things are bad. These things are good. Do the good things. The boundaries in life are set in the Bible. It's not just the moral nature of how to live, but it's also, it also teaches us the mind of God. And we talk about the mind of God. We, the, the point of reading the stories and the promises of God are to try to get inside. It's an autobiography. And so the idea is we're supposed to be getting inside of the book and, re, and trying to figure out what makes God think the way he thinks or feels or, or does what he does. So if you can imagine, you've probably seen this in books Maybe some movies where there's a bad guy and he's going around doing bad things and then the protagonist is a detective of some kind, right? And, he, and he's got to catch this guy before he does something else bad. And so what does he do? I think they're called profilers. He, he goes and studies the person's background. He goes to his house and sees pictures of his family growing up, hears stories about what makes him ma angry, what makes him happy. And then, right, and this is usually how it ends, he's like, I'm, 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 in, the, I'm in the head of this guy. I know, I know what he's going to do next. Here's how to catch him. We're supposed to be doing that with the Bible. We're trying to get inside the mind of God. This is what he's doing. This is how he's worked. This is the way he thinks. Let's think like him. Pat, George Patton beat Field Marshal Rommel in a tank battle. Famous, because I think it was the first time Rommel had ever lost. And you know how he beat him? Patton read Rommel's book. His book was called Infantry Attacks. And it was just a list of all the ways that Rommel uses tanks in warfare. And, and Patton just said, I read his book. I read his, I know how he thinks. And he beat him. That, that's the point. We're getting, trying to get into the mind of God. We're trying to get into the mind of God so we can think like God thinks, so we might do what God would have us do. Remember the wristbands, what would Jesus do, right? Yeah, well, what would Jesus think? You know, that's, that's the, if we can think like Jesus, then we, we could, and the Bible teaches us how to do that. Here's, just to give you a, a kind of, I guess, evidence of emphasis in the Bible. The largest, the longest chapter in the Bible, it's Psalm 119. It's 176 verses, but it's meant to be memorized. Okay, it's meticulously written in alphabetical order so that you could memorize all 176 lines. And you know what it's about? Word of God. It talks about how great the Bible is to tell us how to live life and how fun and safe it is in, that, in those boundaries. And then it tells us the nature of God and what he's like, and how joyful, and how he's good. Let me just summarize again. 
The Bible is the primary means that the Father has chosen for the Spirit to instruct us. It is the clearest, it is the, it is the most condensed way of, of knowing the will of God. It's general, but that's, that's how it starts. That's, let me give you an example. It's a Bible example of a man that needed to know the will of God, and he needed to know the heart of God, okay? what God thinks and, and how he should live. Uh, it's, it's, it's the story of uh, Joshua. And, and by the way, in just three sentences, in three sentences, it's going to tell him how to live and what God is like. In this one paragraph, this paragraph changed my life. I'll tell you about that at the end. But I want it to change your life too. Because we had, the Cassidy's had some hard decisions to make, this paragraph changed my life. Okay, here, here's some context. It's the book of Joshua. It's the sixth book in the Bible. And Moses is, is soon deceased when we pick this up. And, and now two and a half, maybe three million people are waiting to enter the promised land. And this gentleman named Joshua, he's in charge now. Now, you cannot overestimate the loss of Moses being gone. He had set up the political system so that it all peaked. It was a pyramid with him on the top. He was in charge of the military, in charge of the judicial branch. He was in charge of the religious branch. He's everything. He's gone. And Joshua, here you go, buddy. He should be afraid. I mean, there's a lot to worry about. Okay, here's the other thing. Now, he's like, okay, Joshua, take these guys and go into Canaan. And this is, Canaan is a part of the world that literally scared an entire generation to death. These are very big men. This is where the Philistines live. This is where Goliath of Gath lives, right? Big men in big cities with fortified huge walls. The point is, there's a lot to be afraid of, okay? Now, when we look at this passage, I want you, first of all, I want us to see, okay, um, what is the nature of God? Is he good? Does he, and and how, does he, how does he treat, uh, what does he aspire Joshua to do? And how is he supposed to live? The first time we, we read through this, I want us to look at the, the focus on, you know, what do we hear about God and what he wants for us, okay? So let's read these three sentences. I'll, I'll read it. But I'm emphasizing, you know, God's will in this, that, that he loves us. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful in wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night so that you be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What's the will of God for your life? To be successful, to be prosperous. God wants what's good for Joshua. He wants what's good for Israel. He wants what's good for us. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. And so this, these three sentences alone should give you courage, but also confidence to be able to say, I will go anywhere to do anything with anyone at any time because he wants success for us. He's a, he's, look, if you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. He's a good, good father. How do you obtain this success? We're going to learn a little bit about it. What's the will of God for your life? How do we get this success and this prosperity? Let's read it again, but look for that. Be strong and very courageous. Uh Uh-oh, here it is. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to it to the right. Don't turn it to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. 
Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Then you'll be successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What's he telling us about the word of God? It's the curbs again. Six lane highways. Don't jump the curbs. But look, look how he's emphasizing. When I, this is one of the first paragraphs I ever memorized. And the person that had me memorize it thought that the memory was the point. And the way we kept score was who, who had the most Bible verses memorized. That's not the point of this passage. It's not memorizing. It's doing. When you do it, then you will be successful. So you keep, you keep it on your lips all the time. You meditate on it. You memorize it. Absolutely. But the point is that this is the will of God for you, to do what he said. Okay. Um, let me put it this way. There's... There's three levels of knowledge. The first one is uh, just rote memory, like, like a parrot, a parakeet, or a parrot can do that back, right? It's more than that. Then there's kind of understanding, which is almost a sophomore-type use of it. It's a clumsy use of some kind of knowledge. And then finally, the, low, the deepest level is an intuitive understanding of, of knowing something. Now, watch, you, you, he wants us to go to the intuitive understanding of this. You know what this is like. You, whenever you pick up a skill, uh, when you learn to drive, some of you have learned to drive, you start off with just, just reading the book and taking the test, watching the films, great. I got 100. You've never driven around the block, okay? Then you start driving. That's that second level, and you're kind of clumsily, you know, <laughs> banking the curbs, right, trying not to hurt anyone, get hurt. Then there's this third love, this intuitive understanding that he's talking about here, where how many of you, long-time drivers, have driven home, and you don't even remember how you got home? Is it, does that freak you out? It freaks me out. When I used to drive a standard, I would, I'd be in fifth gear and went, how did, that's what he's saying here. It's on your lips. You're meditating. You're memorizing on it all the time because that's the way you're supposed to be doing the will of you intrinsically, intuitively obey the will of God. Okay, so look what we have here. God is good. He wants us to prosper. He, you know how to do that? By staying in the will of God. How should we then live? Three things that are taught in here. The first time about prosperity, he says that three times. Uh, on, on, on how to obey, he says that three times. How should we live? Fearless, without a fear. He says that four times. That's what Joshua was, was having to deal with, and so he answers it this way. How does he get out of the fear? Because God is near. Watch this. How do we live? Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that Moses gave you. Don't turn to the right or to the left, that you would be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, that you might be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will have success. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This passage change the Cassidy's life. Tell you about it in just a few minutes. But this is what you need to understand, that the Bible is the primary means that the Father has chosen for the Spirit to use to teach you his will. Okay? The Bible is, 
it's, a, it's like a, a voice recognition system, right? The more the Bible is in your head, the more you understand the meanings of the word, the more you're going to be able to recognize the voice of God when he speaks to you, okay? It's, it's the Bible. There's another way of looking. The Bible is God's native tongue. Learn to speak his language. <laughs> That's what he's going to be throwing at you. When you hear God's voice, it's probably going to be a verse. And if you don't have it in your head, you might not hear it. Part one, first step, knowing God's will, Bible, where it becomes intuitive. Two is praying scripture. This is, we'll talk about hearing God in prayer in, in a few weeks. This, and there's a lot we could say about praying, but for this week, it, praying scripture means, okay, I've taken this passage and I'm mulling it over, and I'm kind of basically throwing it back at you, God, saying, okay, what, what did you say? What did this mean? P- praying God's scripture means I want this and all of it, the depths of its meaning and all the angles, I want all of that in my head. And so you're just talking to him about, well, look what we did with this one, three sentences. We looked at it three different ways, didn't we? What did you mean by that? Praying scripture can revolutionize your soul. I think, this is my opinion, but I think the most intelligent man in the Old Testament, in Old Testament scholarship is a man named Bruce Walkie. I've been fortunate to have two classes with him. Most of the translations that you are reading have his fingerprints on it. So as, as academic as he is, here's what changed his life. Let me read a quote. It's long. Excuse me. This Walkie says about praying scripture. I used to read the Bible for academic merit, and I will confess I got nothing out of it. God didn't speak to me. It didn't change my soul. And then I heard a preacher say that we must ask God to enlighten us. We need to pray the scripture. So I began praying, Lord, speak to me through these words, through your words. I didn't simply wanted to read stories. I wanted to know God's heart. There it is. I wanted to know God's heart. Now, at first, I noticed very little difference in my reading. But soon, within three weeks of praying that prayer, I started reading, and I, my heart began to burn within me. I started to see new things in Scripture. God began to reveal to me through his word what he was like, and it changed my life. I developed a love for his teaching. I heard God in my prayer, and began to, and he spoke to me through his word. He, he was enlightened. How do you do that? How do you pray Scripture? Two steps, okay? The first one is this meditating, mulling, chewing on. Here's a better way of looking at it. Any of you know? Any of you know how to worry? Let me see. Let me just see. anybody. Is there any? No? Okay, it's just me. Okay, okay. Here's mur- worrying is meditating. It's negative meditating. It's like I'm just gonna think about this. I'm gonna be compulsive about this. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna let this go. Blah, 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 blah. Right, right. It's all the wheels are turning, focused on this one thing, anxiety. Okay, okay. It's positive worrying. It's saying, shut up, worry. I'm too busy using that energy, focusing on, for example, Joshua 1, 7 through 9. And so every time you think about worry, you start, you start meditating and memorizing and focusing on these words. Be, haven't I commanded you? Command, okay, hmm, all right, I'm, let's talk about that, God. I'm sorry, worry, I can't hear you right now because I'm too busy positively worrying. That's what, that's what it means. That meditation means a positive worry emphasizing the different words. And the idea here is this is like we're a giant oak tree by a river, right? And it's just slowly this, this, these nutrients, this water is climbing up through the roots, through the trunk, into the leaves. It's slowly but, cha- but surely changing you. So part one is positive worrying. I'm sorry, I can't find another way to say it. Part two 
is looking for clues, okay? Looking for the fingerprints of God. He's a rascal, okay? When you, when you want to know what God's like and you're meditating, positive worrying on this, and then you start looking at life going, all right, God, where is this? I'm telling you, he shows up all over the place. If you walk around life just kind of being empty-headed, then you don't find much. But if you look for his fingerprints, you look for the way he's manipulating things. How should I learn how to be strong and courageous? How should I learn that you, are pro- you want prosperity and success for me? Oh, look, there it is right in front of me again. Another person that just said those exact words. Sometimes you can look backwards right, and say, God, how did you? Oh, look, your fingerprints are all over my life when I was younger. See, he's, he's showing himself to be true in that aspect, that attribute of of, of, his, of his nature. Th- that very thing, what we're talking about here, the positive worrying and, and the fingerprints, that's what, how this changed my life. Um, years ago, our kids were young, a little bitty, and we were going through the drama of how should we uh, educate the children, right? And, and we wanted to customize, you know, we wanted to make the decision, each, each child, each year, what would be best? There's a lot of options out there and we were young, and so we asked some friends, and we asked about everybody that are our age. And here's what happened. There was this, there was an over, overbearing atmosphere of fear in almost every conversation. We have to get this right. And the consequences, you know, are, are you know, you, you can't go back. You make these choices, and then they, the choices make you, and oh, my God. And then finally, Melinda said, you know what, I'm going to go talk to a mentor that's older. And, and, she, and the mentor said this about our generation. I'm sure it's true with younger people today as well. But she said this. She goes, your generation are the most scared parents I have ever mentored in 20 years. They're, they're consumed. They're compulsively afraid. And here's the thing. You can't hear God's voice over the roar of, of an inferno of fear. You, you, there's no way. Here's what's happened. You will make a decision based on fear and just being safe instead of God's will. And so, you know, Melinda, Melinda and I started talking. We thought, you know what? This, this fear is contagious, and we're getting it too. And, and then one of the first paragraphs, maybe the first paragraph in my life that I ever memorized out of the Bible, this paragraph came to my mind. And I thought, okay, uh, what I'm, I'm, I'm all afraid about stuff. Does, is God a good God? He is a good God. He wants prosperity. For us, he wants us to be successful, you know. And so that's, okay, we check that box. Well, how do you get there? Well, you, through obedience, right? We're gonna, are we doing that? We're trying to, as best as we can. What changed for us, the fingerprints of God that we needed to see was verse 9. That's the sentence that if we were ever to find the will of God, we had to obey that sentence. This is the sentence that changed our decision-making. Have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? We were not being strong and courageous. And how, what's the cure for, for dousing fear? You smother it with the presence of God. And so we did that. We just made a list of all the things we'd be afraid about in, in our parenting choices in this context. And we said, okay, why are we afraid? 
What are the consequences? Blah, blah, blah. And then we said, is God good? Yes. Are we obedient? Yes. We'll, we'll smother, we'll put these fire, this fire out with the presence of God. He cares about us, and he never leave us or forsake us. That sentence, I will never leave you or forsake you, it proceeds. It's in verse 6. And so what, we, we made our decision on parenting independent of fear. It was, it was great. But here's what happened. We said we will not make a decision of consequence ever again from fear. Because most everything God wants for us is on the other side of fear. And he told us, he commanded us, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? And so we, might, we, we started making our financial decisions. All, all of our decisions, we said we will not be afraid. We would list the things that we were afraid of so that we could call them out so that we could put the fire extinguisher of God's presence on that. That's how we live this verse. That's how we got into the mind of God. What would Jesus do? I'll tell you what he wouldn't do. He wouldn't be afraid. <laughs> Our second song, I will not be a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Do you want to live God's will? There's no fear. Mull over, meditate. God's promises right out of the book. Verse 9. Meditate on Worry positively about verse 9. And then do it. And then do it. That's how you live God's will. That's generally speaking. Generally speaking. Okay? You want to live God's will? Here's what we learned today. Start right here. Start with the Bible. Psalm with the longest chapter in the Bible. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, because God's good. According to your word, teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe in your commandments. Before I was humbled, I went astray. I was eating bad mushrooms. But now I keep your word. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. You are good. You do good. Teach me your statutes. The Bible is the operating system of your soul. The Bible is the owner's manual that helps you know how to do relationships and marriage and parenting and jobs. Okay? It is the compass that points due north. Follow it. It is the means of you knowing the heart of God. The Bible is the primary means that the Father has chosen for the Spirit to use to direct your life. Read Scripture. Memorize Scripture. Pray Scripture. That's our first two steps in knowing the will of God. You don't want to miss next week. Let's pray that this would be applied in our life today. Lord Jesus, I'll, Lord, first of all, I know there's people in this auditorium that are really good at worrying. And I'd ask, Lord, that they would do a little judo on that and use that way of meditating on fear. And they would meditate on the promises that you've made. And that you would speak to them, that you would command them to be strong and courageous. Lord, I'd ask that you would teach us how to think your thoughts and feel your feelings so that we might do what you would do. Lord, make this, this, this lesson today be a real thing for us, that we might give you pleasure in the choices that we make, that we might hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.